Greetings. My name is Wilson Strickhausen, a retired uh, pastor, uh, former associate uh, pastor here at First United Methodist Church. It's a privilege and an honor for me to be with you this morning. And as I greet you, may the Spirit of Jesus in me greet the Spirit of Jesus in you. The book of Revelation for many people is a very difficult book. It's very challenging, very formidable, and there are many mysteries in it. One reason why it is so complicated is that there are many different interpretations of the book of Revelation. You can wind up in the premillennial group, or you can be in the postmillennial group, or the amillennial group. Or you can take different kinds of approaches to it. You can be in the futurist group or the idealist group or the historical group. It's a strange book. There's a lot of symbols and images in it. There's beasts and dragons and angels and horses and there's music and uh, all kinds of things almost <clears throat> sometimes reads like a, a sci science fiction book but it certainly is not fiction one of the reasons it's difficult for modern day Christians is the language in which it is written it's called apocalyptic and <clears throat> it was common to the people of that day they understood <clears throat> what was being said in there but the word apocalyptic simply means a, an unveiling. So often we associate apocalyptic with this devastation and destruction because there are many movies made and novels come out there. They're called apocalyptic and they describe our earth as a scorched earth or a devastated earth. But the word simply means unveiling. And what they are showing forth in this unveiling, they are showing us how the world is and how it will be. And the book of Revelation is an unveiling of Jesus Christ, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now there's a wide spectrum of readers of the book of Revelation. I would imagine there are many people in the church today that never read the book because it's so strange. But you go to the other end of the spectrum there are those people who seem to have it all figured out. <clears throat> uh, they have their prophetic charts. Uh, they have their predictions. Some would even say that they have found a, a certain code to decipher the book of Revelation. Well, today I want us to look at Revelation not through a particular theological viewpoint or a certain ideology, but I want us to look at the book of Revelation through the eyes of a pastor. John the Apostle. He was exiled on the Isle of Patmos because he was faithful in preaching the Word of God. This was all taking place through the heights of a great persecution under the Roman Empire. And as a pastor, John was con concerned about this seven different congregations that were there. And so this letter of encouragement went out to them. And John was saying to them, you're going to be tested. Your commitment, your perseverance, uh, 
your love, your your holiness, your your truth is all going to be tested. And so these words went out as letters to the churches and they were designed to encourage them to continue on in the faith. But then John was given this miraculous, brilliant vision that, that shook him to the core. He was transported to a place where there was this magnificent throne and the one sitting upon it was brilliant as light and as brilliant uh, diamonds and, and emeralds and all kinds of, of beauty surrounded the throne. In front of the throne, there were 24 small thrones with 24 elders sitting on them, dressed in white with gold crowns on their head. There were four living creatures that flew day and night, never ceasing, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. There were millions and millions of angels around the throne. And then right directly in front of the throne, there were seven torches which represented the sevenfold Holy Spirit. And in the midst of that, before the throne, stood the Lamb of God. And what were they doing? They were worshiping. The book of Revelation is a book of worship and encouragement. And the theme of worship runs deep into the book of Revelation. How important is worship to you? It was very important to those in that heavenly throne room as they continued their worship day and night. Carl Barth once said that worship is the most momentous, urgent, and beautiful thing that any human can do. Of course, what we see in the book of Revelation is perfected worship. We are still earthly and limited. And so our worship is very, very different. Evelyn Underhill in one of her books describes our earthly worship like this. He says the beginning of a worship service is like a muddy puddle at the edge of the ocean as low tide goes out. You see a lot of trash and dead things and bottles all there on the shore at low tide. But then when the high tide comes in, it washes it clean, takes away the debris and the rubbish, and it's covered and makes it clean. And that's the way our worship is. So often at the beginning we come in, we may not feel like worship. We feel tired or we're weary or we're wounded in our spirit or we're worried about something. Or maybe we've been wandering in a spiritual wilderness. But then we begin to worship. We sing the songs of the church. We recite the liturgy. We affirm our faith. We pray for one another. And we listen to the word of God. And from time to time, we come to the Lord's table. This is what worship is all about. 
And there are two themes in the worship of Revelation. The one of creation and the one of redemption. And you look through our hymnals and you'll find these two themes follow through all through the book of Revelation. We worship God because he is the creator, but we also worship God because he is the redeemer. We live in a wonderful world, but it is a wounded world. We live in a beautiful world, but it also is a broken world. That's why Jesus Christ came to redeem the world, to restore it back to the perfect image of God. And so as we look at this vision, what does it do for us? How does it affect us? Is it something we just kind of dream about that someday this may happen? Well, it seems that time has a couple of ways of turning and running toward us or running away from us. We often look at time as something going way out from us into the future. But also, time can come back from the future into our lives to touch our lives and to influence us. And so the power of this vision was the power of hope and of worship and encouragement comes back to us in our reality today and reshapes us and makes us into the people that God wants us to be. How can we describe the people of God today in the light of this vision and looking toward it? We are all pilgrims on a journey, but we're inviting others to go along with us on this journey. We are sinners, but we've been embraced with love and mercy. We realize that we are loved. We realize that we have been forgiven. We realize on this journey, we belong to Jesus. We get tired along this journey, but we know where to find the bread of life. We are thirsty, but we know where to go to drink at the fountain of life. From time to time, we may stumble, but God is there to pick us up and enables us also to, to pick others up. We may wander off the path, but the good shepherd is there to bring us back. We see through a glass darkly, not understanding all that we are experiencing but we are anticipating the day when we shall see Jesus as he is. The first word of Revelation is Alpha. The last word is Omega. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the first word and he is the final word. One of the ancient writings of the early church they describe a group of Christians gathered at the Lord's table. And in their knowing of certain victory, 
one of the Christians cries out, mimicking the voice of Satan and death. And that voice says, who has robbed us of our powers? And then the Christians, with their arms wide open, shout back, here he is, Jesus Christ, the crucified. May we give glory to God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.